0: we'll now go before the lord with a pastoral prayer praying for the needs of the church both locally as well as throughout all the world let us go now before the lord in prayer pray with me our heavenly father we thank you for such a time as this that your church here would gather together and not only gather together but gather to worship you as we come worshiping you o lord we thank you that as children that we can come before your throne in mercy and grace, and plead with you for, on behalf of one another and for the mission of your church. We pray, O oh Lord, for the common realm around us. We thank, O oh Lord, of the civil servants um, within our own communities, those, O oh Lord, who serve in law enforcement, and who are called um, by our government to protect us and to keep us safe. We pray, O oh Lord, for the, those who serve in this capacity within our communities and throughout our county. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would protect their lives, but not only that, that their lives, O oh Lord, would be used to protect us. And that in that protection, O oh Lord, that we as a people within this community would prosper and prosper well. We pray, O oh Lord, for the right application, O oh Lord, of the law, but also of your law. We pray that you would bless those in our community that serve in this sacrificial way. We also pray, O Lord, for the mission of the church. We think of Rachel Raby, O Lord, as she serves in Japan, as she is furloughed here, whether it be now or within the coming weeks. We pray, O Lord, that you bless her time at home with her father, with Kurt, and the family. We pray, O Lord, that perhaps even on this furlough we would hear from her, but that this furlough, O Lord, would be a time of rest, encouragement, and a hastening, preparing to go back perhaps on the field even here shortly. We pray, O oh Lord, for the gospel to Japan, that you would use missionaries, O oh Lord, to present the gospel there, that there would be a change in Japanese culture, redeemed for the sake of Christ and honoring you, O oh Lord. We pray for softening of hearts there. We pray that the gospel would be more effective there than even in century pasts, and that there would be A great love, O Lord, for you. In this same way, O Lord, we pray for the lost. We pray for those who are lost in Japan, but also, O Lord, for those who are lost throughout all of Asia. An area, O Lord, that is often dark um, without the gospel. We pray, O Lord, for reformed missions there. We think of the reformed uh, seminary there in China that raises up gospel ministers to reform even those who are found within China. We pray, O Lord, for an awakening in all of the Asian countries for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, O Lord, that not only would you use up, would you use men uh, prepared to preach the gospel within these contexts, but that you'd raise up people from within those cultures to be an example that love you, that show love for you, as well as to their neighbor. We pray, O Lord, that you would soften the hearts for those who do not know you in Asia. We also pray, O Lord, for our own church, though. We think of our ministry here and our adult ministry and our adults. We pray that you would continue to use the preaching of the Word for those who profess Christ here at Providence. But we pray that you, O Lord, would use our various ministries geared towards adults, catechism, Think of our women's ministry and our men's ministry. We pray, O Lord, that you'd use these ministries for your glory as they spur us to die to self and to live to Christ. We pray that our adults in this congregation would better reflect your word and in so doing, better reflect the Christ that died for us. May we, O Lord, mature as we've been praying for our children and youth. We pray that by the work of the adults in this congregation, our children and youth would not know a day apart from you, and that they would see a great example by the lives that we live herein. So be with our adults, O Lord. Draw us to greater sanctification and grace and truth. But also be with those, O Lord, um, who are in need. We think of the sick among us. We lift up Adam Walden to you, who is dealing with a case of shingles. We pray that you would give him peace and mercy, that you would calm him, that you would give him rest, that you would give wisdom to Afton and the children as they seek to care for their husband and father. We pray, O Lord, for mercy upon the whole Walden household. As pain often creates irritability, irritability often sows discord. And so we pray, O Lord, for peace within the Walden home and mercy upon Adam as he recovers from this bout. We also thank you, O Lord, for the continued healing that we see within our congregation. We lift up Larry Rogers and his great temperament even after these various procedures, as well as Joan Ostendorf. Though she absent today, we are often encouraged by her jovial presence. We thank you for the healing therein, and we pray, O Lord, that the healing will continue. Keep her and Dan's spirits alive and well, even O Lord, as they continue to heal. Be with us, O Lord, though. We have various needs. We call upon you in your grace and mercy serve us by your angels as they come to serve on this earth be with us heal us and equip us O lord to serve your mission here in madison county and beyond it's in christ's name we pray amen i invite you to turn with me now to the book of philippians the book of philippians Today we finish our first sermon series as your minister here in the book of Philippians. The last sermon, Uh, we didn't have many sermons in Philippians, only 16. But on this 16th sermon, we will wrap up Paul's ministry and call to the Philippian church. And what we will see in this passage in particular is that the Lord uses Paul and calls Paul to give and to participate in the mission of the church calls also the Philippians to participate, not only within his mission given by God, but also that the Lord would supply their mission given by God. And so today we're going to talk about mission. Mission within the church, whether it be local here in Troy or beyond, even in Japan. What does it look like for the church to participate within the mission of the Lord himself next week we will start a new series i don't want to get uh uh, beyond myself but we'll start a new series in the gospel of luke and we'll discuss the mission there of the lord jesus christ coming and then not only coming but serving and preparing the groundwork for the ministry of the church thereafter even as we will see even later perhaps in the book of acts the mission of the church it's an important mission and we must get that mission right Stand then in reverence and awe as we hear from God's Word in Philippians chapter 4. We'll read 14 through the end of the book. Here is God's holy Word. And it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my need once and again not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit I have received full payment and more I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God Amen. You may be seated, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Have you ever been on a mission? I guess you can apply that to the mission field, but have you ever been on mission? When I think of mission, I think of those great spy movies. You've probably watched some of them, whether they be 007 or perhaps Mission Impossible. I prefer Mission Impossible personally. I love that. Tom Cruise saga that seems to never end no matter how old he gets he continues and he continues to do his own stunts but my favorite line in Mission Impossible as you already know where I'm going with this is as Ethan Hunt receives a mission from some dubious device it says your mission should you choose to accept it you could have completed that line with me if we were in a more charismatic church you probably would have completed that line with me But what happens after that tape, or more modernly, that uh, electronic device says its mission? It self-destructs. Five, four, three, two, one. (laughs) I always expect a greater explosion, but it's just enough to fry the materials inside. And so then Ethan Hunt, or Tom Cruise more likely, is sent on a mission of cataclysmic proportions. If he fails to succeed in his mission, the world will end in catastrophe. From, undercovering, from uncovering traitors to finding rabbit's feet to nuclear Armageddon, Ethan Hunt does it all for you and me. He's on mission. He has a mission. And he's chosen to accept it. The mission of the Church of Philippi is curious. It is to give generously to the mission of the church throughout the world. The mission of the church then stays the same throughout all time. We have one mission, one mission that we choose to accept in the Lord Jesus Christ until he returns. And you might ask, well, what is that mission? What is the mission of the church? Well, Matthew 28 tells us what that mission is. You know that probably as well as you know that line from Mission Impossible. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In those two verses, you get the mission of the church and how long that mission will go to through the end of the age. And so the mission that Philippi has here that Paul outlines in the work is the same mission that we have here at Providence Presbyterian Church. Paul's mission, as the Philippians supported it, Paul has received monetarily value and, and help from Epaphroditus in order to bring this mission to Rome. But as we heard, even in the passage before that in Romans, that mission is meant to even go further than Rome, even to Spain. Paul has a mission. He's chosen to accept it from the Lord himself, and the Philippians have too. They support Paul in that mission you hear in other passages the Philippians support Jerusalem in that mission and the Philippians will inevitably then support Paul to the ends of the earth they are on mission we are to read then Matthew 28 and this passage for our own mission there is one mission for the church it is to preach Uh, uh, to a dead and dying world, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means that our mission is a spiritual mission. We are called, according to the mission of the church, to a spiritual end. We are called to preach Christ, to bring Christ to the ends of the earth. The church's main work, then, is that end. That is what we do. We bring the Word of God to the ends of the earth. We preach Christ like Paul preached Christ, like the church of Philippi preached Christ with him. We preach Christ. There are many good things that we can support, many good things, but our mission is that, that spiritual mission, to preach Christ to a dead and dying world. Many churches today confuse the mission There's a thing in our own denomination that's often referenced as mission drift. When the church begins to drift into other missions. Perhaps the most controversial that I could talk about that today is the physical work that the church often takes on. Sometimes we forget our spiritual mission to preach Christ and we devote ourselves then to only physical mission. You think of your food pantries, your building of hospitals, your after school programs, But if these things, these physical things, though as good as they may be, if they are abstracted from the spiritual mission of the church, they fail to meet the mission of the church. We think of perhaps our own, as we had an example called out in the announcements today. We have an after-school program on Fridays that we support. Scott, you just seem to condemn it. What are you doing? No. You see, even in our lunch program, we, we seek to infuse it as common as it may be with physical help with the gospel itself. It might be light at times, tracks, materials, things taped on bags that present the gospel, but the gospel is present. In everything we do as the church, the gospel must be present. Whether that be food pantries or building hospitals or after school programs, we must have the mission front and center. Whether we are feeding frontline workers going out to help break people's yard the mission of the church must be present we must pray with people we must make disciples we must preach to them that is the driving force of the church of Philippi of Paul's mission and it must be the driving p- force of our church and so when we think about this when churches give to mission God supplies their mission when churches give to mission God supplies their mission. Well, how does this work? Well, we're going to see in these last few verses from Paul to the church of Philippi how that works. First, we learn that we must be ready to give. For churches to give the missions, they must give. We learn this in verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. In order to give to mission and even to be supplied by mission, you must be a people that give. But we have to understand what giving means. When you first think, in a worldly sense, giving is almost completely tied up to the monetary physical act. In the ancient world, they called this patronage. People were wondering, is Paul just like one of those Greek philosophers? Is he one of those guys that charged a fee or asked for gifts? Was he one of those guys that based on his message, he would receive money for it that is the the thing that paul is often charged against within the gospels is he just another teacher what makes paul different well you know what separated the good teachers from the bad teachers are those who charged and those who received you see those ancient philosophers if you had to charge a fee you're probably not good enough to hear because if you're good if you're a good teacher you'd be showered in gifts no matter what but giving in the church and to the church's mission is greater than mere monetary gift. Notice how Paul talks about this in verse 15. He says, if you are to give to the mission, you must become partners with the mission. Partnering is greater than mere ancient giving. It's greater than mere patronage. It is greater in that it is A partnership. What is a partnership? A partnership Paul outlines quite thoroughly in verse 15 uh, and 16. You and you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into a partnership with me in giving and receiving except only you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again." What does this partnership include? It must include something more than just giving money. We know that because many churches gave to Paul, and yet Paul says to the church of Philippi, only you have done this partnership work. Other churches gave patronage. They gave monetarily to the mission, and that is important. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But there is a partnership that must happen with us and those who are providing the mission out in the world there is a partnership whether the mission be local here as we seek to expound the gospel to our community and beyond or throughout the world we must partner with one another it is not good enough to just give money on sunday and expect the pastor and elders to do all the heavy lifting we must partner we must partner with the church this partnership reminds me of those businesses that are employee owned and operated. When we were driving up here and during our candidating process and ultimate move we would stop for breakfast at a McDonald's and next to that McDonald's was a WinCo and what was interesting when I saw that WinCo every time we would pass is instead of the subtitle being fresh fruit, great produce, best food you can ever have their motto was employee owned and operated and it always It always baffled me. There are a few companies like this. I don't even know what it entails, but what it communicates is something special. When you enter in that WinCo, the person that greets you is, in theory, an owner person that stocks the shelves as an owner the person that checks you out and puts your buggy back in the corral as an owner there's a partnership in other words with the staff at those wincos or whatever uh, fast food or or whatever grocery store that it was there's a partnership there that there is skin in the game for those employees whether whatever the stock options are I, i have no idea i don't even know if they're good but what it communicates is a partnership and it's in the same vein then that we enter Providence Presbyterian Church as, as partners. We are partners with the Lord Jesus Christ, partners with your elders in session, partners with the mission of the church broadly, whether that be in Japan with Rachel or elsewhere. We are partners. We have more than just money in the game, we have skin in the game. We're to support the mission in that way. We have to give ourselves. Let's develop a little more than that giving. What are we to give? Well, yes, money. We are to give out of our pocketbooks. Uh, The Old Testament talks about giving 10%, that's fine. Um, I will not be auditing your giving, don't worry. I'm a Presbyterian, that's that's left to someone else. We are to give. We are to give to the church financially. Matthew says this is the reason we give in chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in to steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in to steal. Why are you to give to the church? Well, one of the main reasons, one of the benefits of giving to the church is what you already have in possession. Not only is it given from God to you, but it is also something that is temporary. It is not permanent. moth and rust will destroy all your assets. Look at your your smart devices and your TVs. They seem to last shorter and shorter. Moth and rust destroy. Every two years you buy a new phone. Moth and rust destroy. How do you invest your assets when ultimately they will evaporate? Well, Paul argues that you invest them in the mission of the church. You give yourself. And how do you give yourself You give monetarily. We are reminded in the gospel of the great example of the widow who had two copper coins and she gave all that she had. And she is blessed for it. But we're not only to exercise the gift of liberality with our pocketbooks, our wallets. We are also to give of our time in prayer. What makes partnership different than mere patronage is that the Philippians gave time and prayer to the mission of the church. They gave their time. They gave Epaphroditus to go over and to help Paul. They invested. They knew their missionary, and they sought to support him well. But they gave their prayers. They prayed for Epaphroditus. Paul talks about their prayers and his prayer for them throughout the book. They are called to be a people that partner through time in prayer. This is what's different than merely throwing a couple coins into the offering basket as it goes by. You are to do more. Don't be a mere patron of the church. Be a partner in the church. Serve through your time and through your prayer. Some of us may feel like we have no time, but we have prayer. We can be partners in the church. These partners in giving their time and prayer experience sacrifice. Going back to verse 14, Paul tells the Philippians that you shared in my suffering it seems kind of odd. The Philippians never had been to Rome. They were never imprisoned. What does Paul mean by suffering? They didn't join him, but they can still suffer with him. You see, the, the, it's meant to communicate the intimacy of giving ourselves to the mission and work of the church. It is a personal work. When Paul is imprisoned, it emotionally creates a distraught nature within the congregation. They know Paul so well that when they hear of bad tidings on his life, they suffer with him. Do we know any of our missionaries like that? And when we get a report from Japan or elsewhere, since we prayed for Rachel today, are we distraught? Are we saddened? Do we suffer with those who are bringing the gospel? When we have bad tidings even within our own congregation? Do we suffer together or are we mere patrons? Uh, Obviously you can see I'm encouraging you obviously to continue to give but to give more. More than mere money. More than mere wallets but of your life. Your time and your prayer. That is what it means to be a partner. That is what Paul means when he calls you to give. Give more. Sometimes when pastors or elders are about to prepare for offering, you can say all sorts of verses, you can recite all sorts of verses in order to prepare people. Uh, But one of my favorites to prepare is the reminder of the call that you are a living sacrifice unto the Lord. Offer your hearts and lives to Him as the baskets go around. Communicates the partnership. As you give of your money, you also give of yourself, your time, and your prayer. So when churches give to mission, God supplies their mission. They must learn first to give. You must learn to be a giving people, people that give to that spiritual mission of preaching Christ to the ends of the earth. But next what we learn in this passage is that our giving, that holistic giving of time, self, and money is pleasing to God. Why do you give? Because it pleases God that you give all of yourself. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you'd sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. You see, the, the, what the church receives, or what the, why the church gives, I mean, is to be in a manner that before their God, they are received well. The Lord themselves is pleased by their work. You might read verse 18, and it almost sounds like a receipt, and it is. I've received full payment and more. This is for the Philippians' taxes, I'm assured. They must know that they had given and it has been received. It is a received receipt, but it is more than a receipt. When we give to the mission of the church, all that we are, we are a blessing and a pleasing sacrifice to God. It is pleasing for God to receive our giving. It is pleasing to God. We are giving then as an act of worship. We might forget that giving ourselves is worship to God. In the modern era, worship is almost defined so narrowly as the singing part of the worship. At least that's How I came to faith with it but worship is greater than the mere act of singing as much as I love to sing before you it is more inclusive it includes what's going on here with the preaching of the word but it also includes the offering and outside of the worship service your time in prayer all of this is worship our family owns a checkbook for one reason and one reason alone it's quite odd every year we buy one checkbook. We only need one because we auto-draft everything in our lives. Everything comes from our bank accounts. We don't even know it when it comes. It just comes and we pay our bills. But we own a checkbook for one work and one work alone and it is the work of Sunday. The one reason we have a checkbook is to put a check in the offering plate. And you might ask why? Because giving is worship. You auto-draft so much of your lives. The one place where you you should not, dare I say, you should not auto-draft is in the giving of tithes and offerings to the church, giving yourself to the church. Don't auto-draft that part of your lives because the act is as important as the gift itself. You are the giver, giving of yourself to the church, not only with the little envelope that you place in the the basket that goes by, but of your time and life as well. Do not auto draft that. I'm sure it's okay to give from time to time when you're out and about on vacation. I know you, you vacation well, to give electronically, I suppose. But do not auto draft this part. You're missing out on offering a great part of yourself to God in worship. Drop the envelope in the plate. It is worship. It is giving as sacrifice. As Paul says here, how does he describe this act of giving? He uses all this aromatic language. It is a a scent, a fragrance that is pleasing to him. It is a sacrifice that is pleasing to receive. The act of giving itself is a pleasing act, a sacrificial act, a work that the Christian offers to God. It is a pleasing work. This isn't to say that the sacrifice that you offer to God is redemptive. It doesn't save you. But it is a response for being saved to God. It is an act of pleasing. Paul previously talks about the Philippians being children of God. And as children of God, God is their father. And sometimes when you think of the household home, there are certain acts within the home that pleases the parents. I think of my own home. It it will be a great day when my children clean up their messes without much prodding. I will be pleased by their sacrifice. They currently don't, but they do help in other ways. They might help dad with the dishes, or mom with the plants. Our boys love to water plants, and those are acts that are pleasing. They are not only acts that give us great joy, but they bless the family system. They themselves are blessed when they do these sorts of things. When John Owen dries dishes, the family is blessed, and he is blessed for participating in it. When they help water the plants, they are all, we are all blessed. We get food, sustenance from these plants. It is pleasing. In the same way, our giving to God is pleasing. Of course, we're not going to throw our kids out when they seek not to water the plants or do dry the dishes. We don't expel them. They are already in the household. But their act of work and service is, Please their parents. So nothing you do then is in vain. Your giving of yourself is not in vain. It can sometimes feel that way. Uh, I have not seen much work, it seems. Things seem not to be going well within the church, whether it be local or abroad. Uh, Paul is in prison. We are still giving of ourselves to him, and there is not much fruit, it seems. Sometimes we can be so western in our thinking that if we give this, we must receive that. A, B equals C. But no, the act of giving is what we are called generally. I would encourage you then to teach your children this act as well. We talked about those little envelopes. They seem so archaic at this moment as I think of them. But teaching your children to give. There was a family in Yazoo City that had little jars, and whenever their children received money, they had to to portion it out by percentage, and one of them was a church jar and I remember it always tickled me when you'd ask for the tithes and offerings and it would go by the Wilson family you just hear clink 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 it was so distracting and so glorious it was so glorious because what that family was doing was teaching their children to give of themselves not only do little children might feel like they can't have nothing to offer the Lord in the church they do they have the same call as you do to give of themselves by money, time, and prayer to the church. So we should teach our children. Teach our children that it is pleasing to God to give to his mission. When the church gives to mission, God supplies their mission. This work comes uh, by us being ready to give. It is pleasing to God when we give. But lastly, and filling out that whole proposition, pleasing God then supplies our mission. It supplies our mission. Verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And the doxology to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 19 is the balm. God rewards those who give to him. Now, you might, you might say, whoa, well, whoa, well, you're, you're crossing into interesting territory. Uh, tread carefully. But God does reward those who give to him. It may not be what you think. God isn't saying that, you know, he's not advocating for some uh, fantastic, uh, over-the-top, if you give to God, he will shower you with millions of dollars. No, that's not what I'm trying to communicate. But what I am saying is he will supply your mission, not merely individually, but corporately. He will supply the mission. When we give to the mission of the church broadly and locally, he will supply our mission here. So you can still discard your favorite uh, televangelist that doesn't teach this sort of truth. Uh, he will bless you, but not maybe in the way that you would expect. I'm not here to offer you snake oil in that regard, that if you give to the church and you line the church's pockets, that you will then come out at the end of the year with more money than you gave. This isn't the kind of magic that I can perform here. That's not how it works. I know some of you perhaps hoped it worked that way, and it was that easy of a transaction, but it's not. But there is a payoff. The payoff is both short-term and long-term. There's a long-term payoff. It's the easier one to communicate. It is the payoff that the Lord will bless His people eternally with rich reward. Those who give to the church in their time, money, and assets, they will be blessed eternally for it. Of course, everyone who confesses the Lord Jesus Christ here will have eternal life. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how we experience that eternal life. Those who offer themselves up in in this sacrificial way will be blessed by God eternally. My favorite seminary professor, Guy Waters, talked about this in terms of capacity, Some will have a greater capacity to enjoy God and everlasting. We will all enjoy God to our fullest, Uh, but some of us, if I can use a prop lesson, will only have this much capacity to enjoy God, while others have a little more. We all have a different capacity. And for those who sacrifice and serve the church today, they will have a greater capacity to enjoy God. We will all enjoy Him to our fullest but some will have a greater capacity too. We're reminded of Amazing Grace when it says, when we've been here 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We will all enjoy this great blessing. The long-term payoff is great. You see it in verse 20 as Paul ends that section in doxology. Can't buy your way into heaven. but those who give abundantly to the mission and work of the church will enjoy heaven greatly. I can promise you that. But there's a short-term payoff, too. That short-term payoff, though, could be confused with monetary gain, I think can go back to that previous section in chapter 4 of Philippians. That you Your needs will be supplied, and even when they seem not supplied, the Lord will provide you everything you need to be content and to persevere in the faith. Those who give out of Even their poverty can be reminded of their contentment in the Lord and what He promises in the future. That's the short term payoff, to prepare you for the long term payoff. Because, as this passage says, the Lord will provide abundantly. He is the one that is rich. You see, the riches of God here, it is infinite. You see it in verse 19, that according to his riches and glory, he will supply all that you need. His his abundance is infinite. His abundance is so great uh, that his abundance, when compared to the richest men on earth, they seem to be indentured servants with nothing. That is how great his riches are. They can never be taxed, never diminished, never done away with. They are so unimaginably great that he supplies all our needs. He when we compare it to our greatest billionaires, makes them look like the poorest African servants. He has great wealth, and he shares that great wealth with his people. That is your inheritance. I'm reminded of the tribe of Levi, as every tribe around the camp got a physical inheritance. The inheritance of the Levitical tribe was God himself. That's your inheritance. And your short-term payoff is that constant reminder that God will provide for your needs he'll provide for your needs and even when it seems difficult that great promise of perseverance and contentment should point you to that long-term payoff it might not be as great as I want today but he will take care of me when churches give to mission God supplies their mission I hope I can encourage you to give of yourselves your time and your money to the church. So your mission, should you choose to accept it, as pithy as it may be, is to support the mission of the church rightly. To give to the spiritual need of the church. To support the gospel going to the ends of the earth. Not only with your money as patrons, but as partners in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? our Heavenly Father, make us partners. Make us partners in the work of your church here at Providence Presbyterian Church, but also, Lord, throughout the world. Lord, may we be a mission that seeks to present your mission, not only to our neighbors, but all around the globe. Lord, encourage us in this regard. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.